Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the 163rd episode of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson, your host, here with you, along with my brother, Aaron. Hello. You said 163? 163. What's our next... What are we going to like establish as our next milestone? 200? 200. All right. Yeah. 200, I'll do one of those obscenely long six-hour shows. That I tape over a two-week period or whatever. We'll do that. Have some fun. Probably within the next month or so after we're done with this 500, I think it'll be time to do trivia again. And then coming up in June, of course, the Hall of Shame. I still got to find my list of prior inductees to send to our panel so that we can uh, get that around, too. So a lot coming up in the next, you know, springtime here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast, but what we're doing right now is a continuation of last week where we are going through the first Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500 from 500 through 1. Each week we record for 90 minutes, right around 90 minutes, see how far we get. We only got to 433 last week, and 433 was Mr. Sandman, who of course winds up becoming The Sandman. Because Archie would not shut up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so we start off this week, number 432. Here's a fun name, El Grande Pistolero. 5'10", 225, 36 years pro in 1990, well, 1991. Veteran Mexican star made a surprise comeback in the USWA during 1990. You can tell he was once a great wrestler, but he's so old. Uses steel objects. I don't know. Steel chairs, steel objects. I don't What's know what that... <laughs> Hey, there you go. So he's the giant pistol? Or... The, the, yeah, the giant wielder of pistols, I guess. <laughs> so he was a luchador and he came back in Memphis? Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I wonder if it's like a legit thing. I don't know. I'd have to Google it. Or if they just put somebody else under the mask. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to <laughs> Google it and see. I've never heard of that guy. Me neither. And I mean, you would think at some point you'd have heard his name if he was a pro for like 40 years. Yeah. You know. Well, number 431 is Slammer. We talked about on last week's episode his partner, Jammer. Uh, Rookie teams with Jammer as Brute Force, the current Georgia All-Star Tag Team Champions, managed by beautiful Barbie. Heavy metal style angers fans very brutal. I have no idea who Slammer and Jammer were. But they were very brutal. 
apparently, because he said that during both of their, the writer said that during both of their descriptions. So apparently, I think he was just commenting on their, their, their abilities. Oof. Brutal. Brutal. (laughs) Number 430. This is a name that I used to see all the time in the magazines. And I don't know if I ever saw him wrestle. I may have, but I don't remember. Jimmy Janetti. Uh, yeah, I don't, I've never seen the guy wrestle. I'm assuming he tried to be Marty's brother. 5'10", 223, two years pro. Philadelphia native is a favorite among Tri-State fans. So apparently he wrestled for um, Tri-State Wrestling. High-flying drop-kicking style has made him a choice tag team partner for the Rockin' Rebel. So they basically just ripped off the rock and roll or the rockers and yeah. probably even came out to their song. Probably. There's nobody there's nobody paying attention. No. <laughs> Either came out to that song or uh um the rock and roll express theme. What, yeah. that, what the fuck's that song? Uh uh why am I blanking on it? Anyway. Rock and roll is king. Yes, rock and roll is king. <laughs> Which is a that's a cool ass entrance theme. Yeah. <clears throat> Number four twenty nine, Tommy Seabolt. No idea. Six foot two forty two years pro. Young Firebrand is a mainstay in the South Atlantic pro wrestling area. Impresses veterans with his agile style. Now a top contender to Chris Chavis's SAPW title. And we know who Chris Chavis is that of course yeah. is Tatanka. Who um, is probably already there by the time this magazine came out. Let's see. This was in... This would have came out in October of 91. So he's almost he's almost in the WWF. Because by WrestleMania 80, he's wrestling Rick Martell at, at WrestleMania. Yeah. So... He's probably doing the uh, the sitting around the campfire uh, in vignettes at this point. Cool dude. I like yes, I, I did too. I was a big Tatanka fan. I was a big Tatanka mark. Like he's one of those guys that I don't think got a fair shake as far as like I would love have loved to see him as the Intercontinental Champion, maybe not the World Champion. And when they turned him heel, that could have been great, but they didn't do it right. Yeah. You should have been buying casinos and yep. been called Chris Chavis. Christopher Chavis. Christopher Chavis. Um, number 428. I know you remember this guy as well as I do because we used to watch that the GWF at 3 o'clock on ESPN. Rasta the Voodoo Man. Rookie seems to be a human voodoo doll. He touches part of his own body, and his foe doubles over in pain. Fantastic build. Must calm down. Kind of GWF did Papa Shango before the WWF did. The WWF did it better. But uh, Rasta the Voodoo Man. Rasta the Voodoo Man. GWF was terrible. (laughs) But it wasn't. It was terrible, but it wasn't. Like, does that make sense? It was terrible good. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I think I like, good, I like good, bad wrestling, if that makes sense. Yes. And it also kind of has, because it was that 
in our area because we did we got WCW and WWF. We didn't get like the AWA. We didn't get uh, uh, we didn't have any big time indies around our area at the time that had TV. So like GWF for me was that other wrestling promotion that I could watch, you know, because when you're a young wrestling fan, you want to consume as much wrestling as you possibly can. So, you know, you're like, look at, look at this guy, the Viper, the Patriot. Don't hiss me off. Yeah. (laughs) The handsome stranger, the handsome stranger, Buff Bagwell. Everyday experience. (laughs) Well, they did some angle where their sister showed up and was telling their mom died or whatever during a match. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Eric Embry. Eric Embry was around the GWF for a while. Yeah. Tom Pritchard, or uh, uh, not Tom Pritchard, Bruce Pritchard doing his commentary. Yeah, Tom Pritchard doing his commentary as Roddy Piper. Was it Tom or Bruce? Bruce. Bruce. Okay. That's when Bruce said, Vince, Vince said that we got to let you go because nobody likes you around here. <laughs> So he went to GWF and acted like Roddy Piper. Number 427, Jim Lancaster, 6'1", 360, 19 years pro. Grizzled vet now competes mainly in Ohio and Detroit. Began career in the WWF in the early 70s. Also known as Man Mountain Lancaster. Bulk makes him hard to beat. Another name I've heard, but don't think I've ever seen him wrestle. I don't want to. <laughs> Number 426. Thunder- Man Mountain something is going to be sucky. That's true. going to suck. <laughs> Man Mountain Dean. Man Mountain Rock. In, it, in his pajamas. Yeah. Number 426 is Thunderfoot number one. Six foot 234, eight years pro. Veteran Masked Man is still competing now in IWA. Teams often with Thunderfoot 2. Brutal Duo are former Central States tag champs, and they are managed by the creator. The right. Thunderfeet. Like we said in the last episode, why didn't they call them the Thunderfeet? <laughs> who's the creator? The creator. I don't know. You want like a God gimmick? I bet he's fat. A fat god? Like yeah. A fat god gimmick? I don't know. <laughs> 425, Randy Rhodes. 613. This isn't. Uh, okay, yeah. This isn't, the, this isn't the same guy that wrestles Dusty Rhodes or Dust Dirty Rhodes, is it? No. Randy Rhodes, 61321, five years pro. That's Randy, not Dusty, but they look similar. Currently a member of the Pretty New Young Things with Eric Fontaine in Global. Actually, I think it is Dirty Roads. I don't think it is. I can look it up, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Because I think, well, even if it wasn't, because they were managed by Boot Boot Prentice, Burt Prentice in the GWF. I remember the team. But maybe you're right. Maybe it's not the same guy. I don't think it was. Number 424, Goldie Rogers. Uh. 5'10", 200 pounds, 19 years pro. Blonde bearded battler is a regular in several Canadian federations. A native of Ontario, more than willing to use foreign objects, sneaky as they come. Goldie Rogers. Yeah, I don't like that. 
<laughs> number 423, Luscious Johnny Valiant. 6'4", 250, 22 years pro. The Luscious one is best known for his tag team with his brothers. More recently found success as a WWF and AWA manager, but still dons the tights sometimes. I'm assuming at this point he's just on the indies because he is far gone from the WWF and the AWA I don't think is in business anymore. It's so, not. It was just about done. Yeah. And he is probably on this mm. list because he was doing a little bit of shit in the AWA right before it died. Yeah. Parlebe. Fucking goofball, man. Yeah. yeah. It was goofball. <laughs> but I don't understand. He's fucking goofball, but I always enjoyed him. Mm-hmm. You know, weird. Yeah, it's like a. Uh, what do I want to say? So you were just saying with GWF, it's 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 bad, but it's good. Like it's it's, it's weird. Guys. Yeah, it's like this is fucking weird. And he's the only time. He's the only thing that ever made me enjoy Brutus Beefcake. I was just about to say, like, there's those appearances that him and Beefcake do on TNT. First of all, he continue like over. I think to piss Vince off. But oh, to rib Vince at least over and over and over again, he says Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Brutus Beefcake here in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. He just keeps saying Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Like every sentence, he throws it in there. Um, or there's that promo where he's like, "Tell him Brutus," and Brutus just go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, very very odd odd duck, Mister. Yes, but enjoyable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not good in commentary. Parlez-vous scrambled eggs, Grandma. Parlez-vous scrambled eggs, Grandma. <laughs> I don't know, even know what that means, but I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. <laughs> it's like the line from Scary Movie Three. You like the scary movies? Yeah. So what? The Scary Movie Three is like where they're making fun of the ring and all that shit, you know? And <clears throat> this is the movie they they make fun of the one with a little Asian like little Asian mm-hmm. boy. That's the grudge, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, she walks in and sees him. She's like, oh! Because <laughs> Anna Frackis chick is a great comedic actress. She sees him and she goes, oh! Benny, honey! Her Benny. <laughs> she sees him and she goes, Benny, honey, teriyaki! <laughs> you can't even get it out. <laughs> she goes, Benny Hani, Benny Hana, Teriyaki Hibachi. <laughs> she says it like startled. And she's like, Benny Hani, hey, I just said it perfectly, but she says that. And it's one of the funniest goddamn things I've ever seen in my life. Is that the one? Is that the one where the, the sheriff lady's hat keeps getting bigger as the movie goes on, or is that a different one? I think that's a different one. Maybe, yeah, because I think that's the one where they incorporate, like, 8 Mile and stuff in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But this is the one where, like, George Carlin's in it. He's talking about Pootie Tang. Yeah. <laughs> shit. So, yeah, but, yeah. That, that shit's just so funny. When, you, when she says that, the little Asian kid's like, your your Japanese language is a s- insulting to my ears. And I'm just, but, yeah, it's, oh, I'm going to post the scene. <laughs> So number four. Oh, go ahead. No. All right. Number four twenty-two is Bullman Downs. Six two two fifty-five. Three years pro. NAWA rule breaker. 
incenses fans with the most brutal tactics in the Federation. Justly earns his disqualifications. Currently feuding with the popular Stephen Dane. He's hated, but Stephen Dane's popular? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Somebody's doing something wrong. Yes. Number 421, Solomon Grundy. Huge former farmer, became world-class favorite in 1987. More recently, competed in WCW and in Puerto Rico. Possesses one of the sport's finest splashes. Solomon Grundy. You know, it's funny. Tuesday, died on a Wednesday. That's that. You know, you know, I'm. Everybody knows I'm a geek. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a comic book geek. Blah blah. blah. But uh, you know what I think of the minute I hear the name Solomon Grundy. One of my favorite and a very underrated band, the Crash Test Dummies, the Superman song. But uh, that that band, like. I don't know. I don't want to get off. They did. They did stuff with with music and with vocals and with songwriting that people just do not do not ever talk about. That it's just so underrated. I love that band. Yeah. I just think of Batman, Solomon Grundy. <laughs> uh, Four twenty. Sound like something I'd order at the. Uh, at the Italian restaurant, Centurion Mar- Marcella. 5'10", 240, 14 years pro. Oh, haha. Centurion, now I get it. Formerly known as Salvatore Belomo. Competed in WWF for years, but more recently was a top star in Greece. <laughs> Once an aerial star, but bulk has grounded him. And those boots. Why did, why did he change his name? I don't know, but I'm assuming, I mean, you know... He's wrestling a Centurion Marcella in Greece. <laughs> so I'm assuming when he also very random, very random, uh, uh, what I want to say, uh, territory for wrestling, I guess. I don't, never heard of a lot of Greek wrestling federations, but um, I'm sure, I mean, every country has wrestling. So that's, but I'm sure he came back to the States and some promoter was like, yeah, we're just, we're just going to call you Salvatore Belomo because that's yeah. on the program. Yeah. That's what everybody knows you as. You, you can keep your little gimmick, <laughs> your, little, your little helmet and shit. But. Maybe he was hiding from somebody. <laughs> Salvatore Belomo? Nope. A Centurion Masala. <laughs> That's my name. To me, I want Salvatore Belomo to have mob connections. <laughs> like he, not- had to, he had to be like, he had to be like Michael. And the Godfather, and he was going to be the one that nobody was going to expect. So you're like bust a cap and a couple people and go to Greece to hide out for a year. I'll be back though. Sorry, I just watched both of the Godfathers today. So. <laughs> Four nineteen, Mario Mancini, five ten, two thirty one, eight years pro, famous for his WWF TV losses. He's now contending for the IWF belt. Held by Tony Capone, now an experienced veteran, better suited in lightweight in the lightweight division. I remember Mario Mancini jobbing on the WWF TV. Yeah. Um. Ah, here we go. Another guy famous in for jobbing on WWF TV. Four eighteen, the Italian Stallion, 
68 years pro, popular star, is famous for his WCW TV appearances, but now he's a champion. Recently captured the Pro Wrestling Federation title, well experienced. And he was he was one of the guys that would bring the WWF a big group of, group of jobbers, and he'd get paid, and they'd get, you know. Yeah, then Matt Hardy put him out of business. Yeah. <laughs> Matt was like, fuck you, I got a van now, bitch. And I'm actually going to let these guys get paid. Yeah. Just gas. Just pay gas. That's all I care about. You know, Italian Stallion was like one of those guys, you know, it's about the exposure, man. I'm going to get you some exposure. Exposure. <laughs> Matt, I mean, was like, Matt was like, how about we just start, start, I think he told JR, like, how about we just keep coming here, but we don't come with the Italian Stallion. And they were like, all right. <laughs> You guys are better anyway. Yeah, and they probably charged them less. <laughs> That's great. Number I four. Sure about somebody that's fucking people over that gets fucked over. Yeah. <laughs> Number four seventeen. A guy we've discussed quite a bit on the Reliving the Extreme podcast, the Rock and Rebel. Five nine two nineteen. Three years pro. Popular tri-state youngster is a tag team specialist. Incredible balance and stamina. Teams often with Jimmy Janetti has also competed in the South. So I know we like on the show, obviously, if you listen to Reliving the Extreme, you know, we like to, we like to make light of and poke fun at the funny side of wrestling. That's, that's something we do. It's fun. And we do that here too. And we have also talked about as, you know, as a person kind of, what a piece of shit rebel was. Yeah. But overall, what did you what did you really think of him in the ring? Because I always I always when we watch him or when I, I watch anything from him, I thought he was literally just he was a good hand. He wasn't anything spectacular, but I wouldn't say he sucked. He didn't suck. He what he was good at was doing was getting people riled up. He was a, he was a good heat seeker. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A good, a good indie heel. I don't think it would have translated to. Oh, he can work. He can work a room with like two thousand people in it. Yeah. He'd have probably floundered in WWF or WCW, but you're right. Yeah, he was a good. He was a good indie heel, and like I said, his work was always his work was always decent. I never saw anything where I was like, well, "This guy stinks," you know. The most he would have ever made it in WCW, and I don't even know if he ever went there or not. I have to look it up. Would have been like he would have been on WCW Saturday Night. Yeah. Like with like Larry Santos and the gambler and the gambler, my man. Nothing wrong with those guys. Right. Those guys are smart. They got to be able to go to WCW, get on WCW TV, like, you know, do like four of these tapings. And then until they need them again, they can go around and say, I'm Larry Santos, WCW wrestler. As featured on WCW Saturday Night. As featured, doesn't even, doesn't even put Saturday Night. Just W as featured on WCW. Larry Sanders or San, Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders. <laughs> Larry S- Santos. You know, live on tape. That's one of my favorite things ever. Is live on tape. I don't know why. It just it gets me every time. Show's funny as hell. It is funny as hell. <laughs> it's it's actually uh shit. 
You know what? I haven't watched it in quite in like probably five or six years. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna start watching Larry Sanders later tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Oh, the Warren Zevon episode. Yeah. When the whole episode, he's promising that he'll he'll let him play something off his new album because he doesn't want to play Werewolves of London. And Larry, then Larry's like, "Ladies and gentlemen, here with his great hit." Live on, you know, out there in front of the people, werewolves of London, and then they give each other that look, <laughs> like Larry knows what he did, and Warren Zevon, but Warren Zevon plays like werewolves of London anyway. That's uh, so funny. <laughs> He's like, man, Larry, I just everywhere I go, they want me to play werewolves of London. I have this great new album out. But, oh shit, it's so funny. It's such a great punchline. Like the whole episode leads to that fucking punchline. My favorite ongoing. Secondary storyline is that he thinks David Duchovny wants to fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> like he wants him to come to his beach house and stuff. And Duchovny just wants to hang out. Right. <laughs> like when he's asking, uh, oh, man, I don't remember what Scott Thompson's character's name is on that show. Me neither. But he's Hank's gay assistant, you know? Mm-hmm. But he's like, um, we'll just say Scott. It'll just be like, hey, Scott. Uh, what? It's like what's the what's the consensus on Duchovny? Is he is he gay or straight? And he's like, well, it's kind of like you know, some of us think he is, some of us think he isn't, and then the rest of us just want to hug and kiss him. Don't <laughs> <laughs> care. We just want to hug and kiss him. But anyway. Number 416 in the inaugural Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500 is Tagar. T-A-T-A-G-A-R. I don't know what that's supposed to sound like. Is that a caveman, cave person? Let's see what the description says. 5'11", 238, one-year pro. You can't get much weirder than this USWA newcomer. Sports a metal mask and fire-throwing glove and shield. Oh, I know this. Wrestling skills are virtually non-existent. Okay. I know this. I've seen video, like the clips of it. It's fucking stupid. Jerry Lawler did it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write down that I want to check that out because I've never seen it as much Memphis as I've watched. See, I watched so much '70s and '80s Memphis, and I never get into like the '90s stuff, like. Once it jumps the shark, I don't, I don't know. I've I've not watched a lot of that really bad nineties. Really movies. bad. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 almost like I want you to pause what we're doing and watch it. <laughs> if we take a break in the recording, I will. Uh, yeah, once you once you once you described him, I was like, I, I remember that now. It was it was it was really 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 bad. Number four fifteen, Perry Jackson, five ten, two sixty, three years pro. Like I said, Perry Jackson at four fifteen, former USWA stars competing in WWC, held the CWA tag team titles with Billy Joe Travis in nineteen eighty nine. Best off as a fan favorite. Action Jackson. Best off just getting out of the business. Number 414. This is this guy's this guy's story to me is one of the great tragedies in wrestling because 
he was so good psychology wise and everything, but his problems just drowned him. Louis Spicoli. Yes. And five, I, ten, I, oh. Go ahead. At the time, this year, 5'10", 248, two years pro, calls himself Cutie Pie. Strange image, but this is a this is a fine young prospect, has competed in UWF and other federations, recently scored a WWF victory. And um, I don't know if it was when we were recording, but um, I thought it was kind of like, not that I knew the story because I was there or anything, but I, I think it's kind of, Funny that I told you guys about what I read Jericho or whoever said about uh, Vince thinking of Luis Ficoli. Was it Jericho? No, Foley. Foley. Mm-hmm. Saying about Louis, and then Jim Ro- or Jim Cornette told the same story on his fucking podcast this week. I don't know if you heard that or not. I have not listened to that yet, no. No, I told you about how they said they were driving, and he was with Candido and uh, Sonny, and mm-hmm. Vince was like, ah. A drug-addled, drug-riddled scumbag or whatever Cornette talks about it on there. Like Vince McMahon, because <clears throat> Gary Michael Capetta tells us something in his book about how Vince hated him. Mm-hmm. So they ask last about people that, um, if he knew anybody that Vince outwardly hated. And really he just says it's Spicoli. Like he fucking hated Louis Spicoli. Just hated him. Thought he was just a drug-riddled piece of shit. Like him and Lex Luger, that's the only people that Cornette could think of that Vince just actually just outwardly would say he hated. Hmm. I didn't know about Luger. Well, he fucking hated him for fucking him on that contract. Well, yeah, well, yeah, all right. Warrior fucked him more than Luger did, though. But that's Vince. Vince has his. I just, I never, I don't want to get in the weeds, but I never understood, like, of all the people that he would give so many chances to. Why that fucking piece of shit, the warrior? I don't know. I, did, I just don't get it. Like he's like, don't. I don't even want to hear Macho Man's name. But you'll fucking bring the warrior back four I think, times. I think part of it was it was kind of his creation. You know, like he helped. Flesh yeah. like I was watching a thing with Bundy, and Bundy said that he was like, I like. He was wearing like the cape and the glasses and doing all this shit, you know, and he's like. He's like, part of me, he's like, I love the King Kong Bundy name and the gimmick and everything like that. And he goes, I should have told Vince I hated it, though. I should have, he's like, I should have just told him I hate being King Kong Bundy because then he would have created something for me. And he goes, and I'd probably have got a lot further than I did. Because I, sense. yeah, he didn't come up with King Kong Bundy. I did. Mm-hmm. It's like Tito Santana wasn't Tito Santana when he, before he went to the WWF. Vince McMahon created Tito Santana. Mm-hmm. So that's why Tito Santana was there for fucking ever. Yeah. And his dad created Hulk Hogan. So it was technically Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was a WWF creation. Yeah. Like Bundy should have just said, I hate being in Kong Bundy. Just like uh, uh, Dusty Rose saying that he wanted to sexy-ass, big-titted blonde chick to be his manager, like, snapping the gum and swinging the purse around, so he, but instead he got a short, little, frumpy black girl. He's like, I should have told him I wanted a short, little, frumpy black girl. I probably would on <laughs> big-titted blonde. <laughs> Might have got Missy Hyatt signed. Yeah. 
Number 413, Hillbilly Cousin Luke. 6'2", 350, eight years pro. Don't go messing with this country boy. Brought into the sport by Hillbilly Jim. Now competing in IWA. Stay away from this guy's mule kick. Stay away from this guy in general. <laughs> Smells like a foot. 412, Muhammad the Butcher. Is that the guy that Abdullah gave hepatitis to? No, that was Hannibal. Okay, so maybe Muhammad the Butcher is the guy that had... I think he is the guy that had, like, sickeningly bloody matches with Abby, so that they started talking about the hepatitis thing, maybe. I just remember him and Abdullah, I think it was him. I'd have to go back and look. But anyway, 6'2", 294 years pro. Um... Crazed Middle Easterner has appetite for destruction, not to be confused with Abdullah. This sadist knows a few wrestling holds. I like Abdullah. <laughs> That's kind of how it sounded. He's like, yeah. not to be confused with Abdullah, because this guy knows a few wrestling holds. <laughs> Number 411 is Samson. 6'4", 240, one-year pro. Newcomer has emerged as a force in the USWA. Earned title matches against former USWA champion Awesome Kong. Utilizes power slams, but confuses foes with mat skill. That's where you got to know where the USWA was at at this point. Awesome Kong. Was a former champion. The big piggy. We got Tigar and... and Samson. Kong and Samson and Calgon. (laughs) Number 410 is Chaz, 5'10", 233, one-year pro, Midwestern rookie, has now ventured to the GWF, competes best in light heavyweight division, covets Lightning Kid's title, a fine blend of body body sculpting and skills. I didn't mind Chaz, Chaz Taylor. I thought him and him and Sean Waltman had some good matches in the GWF. Yeah. Um... Number 409, back to USWA country. Brian Christopher, 5'10", 220, two years pro. I was about to say, it. About to say like he's been doing it two years here. Like youngster is becoming a USWA favorite. Precision drop kicks have scored victories over heavier opponents. Formerly a member of the New Kids. Brian Christopher is a guy that to me... Oh, and awesome. Yes. I was gonna say I was gonna say Nate's known me my entire life, so he can know that I'm not just saying that because the dude died. Like I was just always a fan of that motherfucker, and and I'm not gonna say that I enjoy. I, I did not enjoy Too Cool, but I always liked Brian better as a heel. He was yeah. a great. He was a great little shitty heel. Yeah, but Too Cool was actually. Super fucking fun. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Like I said, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy that, but I just, if I'm, if you're asked, if you would ask me, like if you would do one of your this or that games and say face or heel, Brian Christopher, I'd say heel. Yeah. Um, number 408, Jim McPherson, 5'10, 229, three years pro, known as Jungle Jim because of his ultra athletic style. The current New, New Jersey based WWA junior heavyweight champion. Has also competed in the WWF, probably as a job guy. <laughs> 407. 
is, let's see, this is going to be, okay, so it's Master Blaster, 6'3", 255, three years pro, formerly the teammate of Master Blaster Steel in WCW, tank-like build, boasts a wealth of power, famous for flying shoulder tackle, now an independent circuit. So that's Al Green. Uh, Isn't he? That's Al Green, right? Well, I mean, he's 6'3", so it's obviously not Kevin Nash. No, I think that was the one that... was the, Al Green wasn't one of the Master Blasters? I think he was, but I think this is the one that got fucking... No, that would be Al Green. Because there, there was another Master Blaster steal or whatever <clears throat> that teamed with Nash, and uh, I think it was some team or whatever fucked him up, and he just left, and then he never came back. There was also... For some reason, I think there was also another team that they had that was similar to them. Like they had, they, I don't know. <laughs> I, WCW at that time was was uh, ignorant. Those gimmicks were just coming and going. It was just Jim Hurd trying to recreate WWF shit and didn't know what he was doing and didn't know what he was looking at when he had it. I know Kevin Nash. Okay, is mm-hmm. not. He's not fucking William Regal or. Uh, fucking Chris Jericho. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. He's not Shawn Michaels. But how do you look as a wrestling... You're in the wrestling business, and you have a guy that looks like Kevin Nash, and you have no fucking idea what to do with him. Right. <laughs> okay, so I was looking here. You were right. Because I, I looked up Master Blasters on Wikipedia, and it just takes you to Kevin Nash. Um but he was he uh, was the Nash debuted as the orange haired Mohawk Steel, one half of the tag team known as the Master Blasters. He was initially partnered with Master Blaster Iron. Okay. Yeah. Um, and da, 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 da. on September twenty second, Nash's partner Master Blaster Iron was replaced by Blade, who was Al Green. So yeah, you were right. So this is the this is the guy that. This is the guy that couldn't cut it as the Master Blaster, and he's still out there using that name on the indies. Well, fuck him. <laughs> Number 406. Holy shnikes. Bobo Brazil. 6'4", 265, 40 years pro. Incredibly, the legend from Benton Harbor, Michigan, still competes from time to time. The sport's first black superstar, headbutt master, a real legend. And you know what? My favorite Bobo Brazil story is the Jim Cornette story. 35 years in the business and I have to be known as Hobo Brazil. <laughs> 35 years in the business and it's Bobo Brazil. Bobo Brazil. <laughs> God damn it, that's funny. I can't tell it, folks. Seek it out on Jim Cornette's YouTube because it's a great fucking story. All right, number 405, Charlie... He looked like a guy that would be like, just fucking, I don't say it. I think he was just smooth. Mm-hmm. Like, not in the ring. You know, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, he yeah. was. But he I'm reading, like, like, he'd be, he'd be like a, and like, if you ask him how he's doing, he's going to say blessed. <laughs> He'll shake your hand with both of his hands. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Like he grabs your hand, then he puts his other hand over your hand and shakes it. Probably always look good. And 
made a lot of fucking money with the Sheik. Yeah. I'm reading Solomon's book right now and had like yeah. tight waves in his hair and shit. I just that's what I think. He was like outside of the fucking business. And you know what? I mean, all right, I'm I I'm going to be honest, folks, in my life. I mean, I'm 43 in 2022. And yes, I have gone back and watched a lot of old wrestling that was around before I was born or that I've never seen before, but I'm going to be straight honest, I've probably seen Three full Bobo Brazil matches in my entire life, and I wasn't I wasn't terribly impressed. But what I will say is, he had the crowd in the palm of his hands. Yeah, and he was he was the Jackie Robinson of professional wrestling. He was the first black guy. They were like, you know what? We can book him against a white guy because they used to book black guys against black guys. White guys against white guys because they didn't want the losers fans to riot. Yeah, and they were like, "Okay, this might work." The white people, the even the fucking hillbillies like this black guy. So I mean, you know, kudos to Bobo fucking Brazil for breaking that barrier. You know, yeah. Number four hundred five, Charlie Fulton. 62240 11 years pro if there's a federation there's a chance charlie has competed there only semi active fully fulton is now a respected trainer in ohio also the current ohio champion he's a guy that if you watch like the right before rock and wrestling hits in the wwf and madison square garden shows he's a guy i think they were going to try to push Cause he was on, he was on a lot, all those. They always had him on the MSG shows, and he was starting to get wins. You know, he was kind of working his way yeah. up through the show, and then the rock and wrestling thing hit, and he just turned into a jobber, and then was gone. It's like you're short and nondescript. You got to go. <laughs> Vince is like, I'm not booking like my old man anymore. Chad Fulton, <laughs> you got to go. <laughs> Number four hundred four is TD Madison. The Madison brothers are two-time, oh, sorry, 61242, two years pro. The Madison brothers are two-time IWCCW tag team champions. TD, the younger of the two, has also competed in the IWA, boasts an effective sleeper hold. I have no idea who this is. Nope. So we'll move on. Number 403 is a guy that we can both lavish praise upon for an hour if we wanted to. 403, Chris Candido. 5'10", 226, one-year pro, sensational rookie, has become a USWA force, has scored upset victories over some veterans, teams with Eric Embry, makes up for lack of size with speed. And awesomeness. Yes. I don't know why, but I like I like me a good, solid, compact-built wrestler. Like a Chris Candido, uh, Brian Christopher, Tommy Rogers. Like, I don't know. There's a combination of things I think why. And you tell me if I'm wrong. First, there, like you said, a smaller compact. So they can, they can move quickly, but they can also carry enough weight where they look impressive. Yeah. And, it's easier for a normal person to relate to them. You know, like, 
you can't you can't relate to uh, and I'm not saying he's not a star because what makes him a star is he is Andre the Giant. But what I'm saying is you can look at Chris Candido if you're sitting in the crowd and go, man, if I put on some weight and learn how to do that shit, you know what I mean? It's possible. Yeah. It gives yeah. you. <laughs> but those are those are the guys that I just to me those are always the best workers on your card. Mm-hmm. It's just a solidly built, compact, like Les Thatcher. Yeah, and, and probably the most successful one of them all, and is the one we're not supposed to talk about. Chris Benoit is a small, compact, fucking chiseled to the gills man. Though it doesn't matter if we're supposed to talk about him or not, he should be on any list. And I'm again, I'm, I'm never going to advoca- advocate advocate I'm never going to advocate for him to be in a Hall of Fame. But you can't not talk about him to talk about great wrestling. I mean, we're about to get, we're almost to the point in Reliving the Extreme where we got to talk about him and how fucking great he was. Well, shit, I don't even know why I didn't think of this guy. Somebody I'd probably even put over him is Dynamite. Yeah. Dynamite might be the fucking greatest professional wrestler ever goddamn put on a pair of boots. You know know what I mean? Like, to be honest with you, he might be, but I just... That style, that that little style of wrestler. That's that's my favorite type of wrestler to watch work. Number four hundred two. Another great style of wrestler to work. George or to watch work. George South. Six two two thirty four. Nine years pro. You name the place, and this veteran has wrestled there. Best known for his appearances on WCW TV. Actually, a fine grappler who gives his his all even when outweighed. Um, what can you say other than this guy's a great fucking worker? Um, that some of the best workers in the business didn't win a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, he was respected by people, and like, like, um, what was it, Flair that told him, "Hey, you're Ricky Steamboat tonight. You're Ricky Steamboat." Yep. The office pissed him off, or whatever. Hmm. So, yeah. Number 401, Lou Fabiano. Six foot, 275, six years pro. New York brawler has traveled the country during the past year because, or became a star in the USWA under the name of Sheik Fabiano in 1990. Street tough and ill-tempered. 400 is a name I remember, but again, one of those, one of those names from the magazines that I know but never saw really. GQ Stratus. 6'3", 263 years pro, and IWCCW tag team champion with Mike Sampson. A bit on the heavy side, but it adds to his power. Managed by Kevin Casey, has also competed in the VWA in Virginia. Father of Trish. <laughs> uh, where we've finally broken the top 400 here. Is that Trish's dad? <laughs> Here's Trish Tristratus's father, GQ, is in the audience tonight. Hey, hey. you guys remember me? Like, no. <laughs> no number, th- number 399, Jim Powers. 6'1", 235 years pro, formerly a member of the Young Stallions with Paul Roma in the WWF, has stayed scientific even though Roma has gone sour. High-flying favorite of the female fans. Five years pro. This is 90, essentially. He started, so that means he started in 85. Man, he was like, he was wrestling for the WWF very early then in his career. 
Yeah. Um, he was probably trained by like Johnny Rods or something. Yeah. Because I think Roma was too. And ne- I. Perm Roma. <laughs> like, yeah. like early Perm against, Roma. This, Jimmy Powers goes against what I was just saying about the well built compact wrestler. Because he's one I just don't. Like, I don't like you. I don't like you, Jimmy Powers. Like that dude, he doesn't do anything offensive, but he doesn't do anything I want to see either. Yeah. Like, it's like you are the blandest of the bland. You are one bland motherfucker. Get off my TV. 398 Tony Stetson, 5'10, 238, six years pro. Tough Tony has returned to busting heads after trying science. Okay. Competes in several East Coast federations, notably Tri-State. Loves the sight of hot blood. I don't know what the science is. I don't know. Yeah. Hot blood. Hot blood. So like AIDS blood? Did he come out to hot blooded? I don't I don't know. I I don't know what any and what's tried science. Like he went to like a school and they were like what do you want to be? And he's like, I'd like to try science. And they're like, what kind? Any just kind. Like, you know, science. <laughs> they're like, you have to go. <laughs> okay, I'll go back. Hey, I tried science. I tried I'm- science, y'all. He said, no, you got to go. <laughs> too, too rough around the edges for science. <clears throat> what, you, what courses would you like to take? I'd like to try science, please. <laughs> and can I do that? <clears throat> can I do that through transcription, like at home? You know, with like, the the, wanna, uh, the, Susan, the Suzanne Summers deal. You know, science. <laughs> science. All right. Up next here, number three ninety-seven, Carl Styles. Six three two seventy AJ's dad. Six three two seventy five. Six years pro. Former PNW champion. Recently returned to the sport in the USWA. Broad and powerful. Ribbing over glass eye turned ribbing over glass eye turned him into a rule breaker. I don't know what that means. Currently unaffiliated. Was he in Smoky Mountain? Yeah, I think he was Dutch's bodyguard or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I I when I saw the name I was like I. Don't I think I know who this dude is? And then he went away because, like, he said he was like mentally challenged or something. <laughs> I don't know. Dutch Mantel got away with some very offensive things. Yes, so yes. wrestling. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> he said that Bill Brian Lee shot up a school. Uh, just all kinds of different shit. And it was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. 396 Moondog Spot. 6'2", 298, 14 pounds. Replaced King. 14 pounds. 14 years pro, sorry. <laughs> 298 pounds. It's a emaciated dog. <laughs> Replaced King as a member of the WWF World Tag Champion Moondogs in 1978. Has been barking ever since. Now an IWA favorite. Still carries his big bone, and any any <laughs> any time he wanted work in Memphis, he got it too. Number three ninety five, 
Leatherface, 6'6", 322, one-year pro. Huge rookie would like us to believe he's the same man from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films. There's some talent under that mask feuding with Jerry Lawler. I don't think... This isn't Carpool Kushner. This isn't Kirshner. Okay, yeah. No. Well, yeah, I didn't think so. I mean, it says one-year pro, but kayfabe, they could have said, they could have put that no, in there. He's in Japan. Number 394, another... Um, Cabrini guy from the Reliving the Extreme podcast, a guy we we actually uh, kind of knocked on quite a bit back in the day in the show. Chris Michaels, 5'9", 225, three years pro, native New Yorker, boasts incredible agility, gymnastic style impresses even hard to please Big Apple fans, recently made WWF debut against Sergeant Slaughter. Fucking bullwinkle bitch. <laughs> Chris Michaels was terrible. He Just was terrible. I think other than the Wolfman and Max Thrasher, he was the worst of the Cabrini collective, I think. I agree. Just trash. And they saddled Chris uh Chris Candido with him for a minute. But then he was also with Johnny Hotbody though. Johnny Hotbody was a good little, little shit heel. Yeah. Worst haircut in wrestling history, but <laughs> number three ninety three. Another guy, actually, another guy I like to watch do jobs, um, especially on Crockett. Gene Ligon, 5'11", 241, 13 pounds. Not a household name, but a respected and experienced professional. Former ACW commentator. Operates a gym in North Carolina. Has competed in WCW, and I think. <clears throat> I think he was also a favorite of Bob Cottle because whenever he would be on like mid Atlantic or whatever, Bob Cottle would be like, all right. Oh, Gene Ligon here. He's, he's here. He's my buddy. He didn't say that, but that's like, like kind of in his voice. It's like, I think Bob Cottle really digs Gene Ligon. Gene Ligon. Yeah. I don't remember him. Oh, okay. 292. Jerry Lynn. 5'10", 230. I know who that is. (laughs) 5'10", 233 years pro, popular PWA star is branching out, also competes in GWF, famous for his lightning quick head scissors and suplexes, top contender to global light heavyweight title. And just kind of motherfucker, and like I said, I just think that, I want to say that, I think he suffered from the same thing that Ricky Steamboat suffered from. That as soon as he wasn't happy or it wasn't going how he thought it should be going, he just bounced. Mm-hmm. Honestly. So, a question that I'll pose here. Who do you think... Who do you think... Gave... Rob Van Dam, his best matches. Jerry Lynn, Eddie Guerrero. There was somebody else I was thinking of. Uh, Chris Jericho. Because those are probably my three top RVD match opponents. And I would lean, I would lean toward Jerry Lynn because Jerry Lynn and RVD were like the best thing. 
those ones were better because they were they were I don't want to say it they were given a lot more time yeah because it was like the dying days of ECW and we've got fucking Belvis Presley and Amish wrote, so it's like, huh, we need to kill an hour. You guys go out there and just <laughs> fucking do it. But then that's what I was exactly about to say. That 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 last era of ECW, Van Dam and Jerry Lynn were the best was the best thing on the show. Um and it, it's funny because uh, even though I really liked them as a tag team, the reason I didn't include Sabu in that list was I was never a huge fan of those two of Van Dam and Sabu against each other. It was too much of the same, I guess. Like, yeah, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Number three ninety one, Mister Atlanta, six four two eighty three years pro. Big Mask Man was once the recipient of the funniest ring introduction ever. Announcer claimed he was from. Hearts Unknown. <laughs> that is quite funny. From Parts Unknown, Mr. <laughs> I don't know who he is, but that is that is a funny anecdote. <laughs> um, we're gonna know who this guy is. 390 GI Bro. Booker T, sucker. 63272 years pro began career in WWA. Military training and fine physique have led the flashy newcomer to several victories over more experienced opponents, and Ivan Putsky is a mentor. He's got about as much legit military military training as Bob Slaughter. <laughs> but he went on to be one of the greats. Yes, and so did Bob Slaughter. I don't know why I'm like comparing G.I. Bro to Bob Slaughter. But, um, it was a silly gimmick, but it was his first gimmick. It was mm-hmm. dumb when they tried to bring it back. Absolutely. It's like stupid when they tried to bring it. Like, like it was just completely, it was completely fucking tone deaf to try to bring that back. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and at that time, let me tell you, let me tell you, he is a guy, he is a guy that, Booker, is a guy that Vince Russo ultimately did right by. Like, Vince Russo's stupid, out of the, out of the, you know, uh, what do you want to say, uh, um, crash TV booking. I think that that Booker T's rise is probably the best thing to come out of the Vince Russo era of WCW. Yeah. Um, I know that, like you said, they did some silly shit to get there, but what they did got him even more over than he was. It, it, it made the WCW fans realize he was their home home guy, you know, kind of like Sting. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I would say, again, like you said, it was stupid that they did that. Or that they said he could no longer use tea and, you know, silly shit like that. But overall, um, I, like I said, I think he was the one guy that, that other than Jarrett, that Russo really did right by and that his booking actually benefited, I guess I'll say. Yeah. And then he went into the WWF and 
Now I don't even think of Booker as a WCW guy. Yeah. I think of Booker as a WWF guy that spent some time in WCW. Yeah. <laughs> 389, Sabu. 6'2", 21-year pro. Wild rookie is a crazed brawler. Style is compa- has been compared to the original Sheik. Talented aerial competitor, but not above using foreign objects. Sabu, what can you say? <laughs> you know, I mean... <clears throat> One of the most unique wrestlers of all time. Yeah. And, I mean, like you said, just unique. And nobody else looks like that guy. Nobody else works like that guy. And he's, he's, he's not the, he's not the same, but he's almost like an undertaker. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to repeat it. You're not going to copy it. And if you did try to copy it, everybody would be like, fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off out of here. <laughs> Number 388, somebody I've never heard of, Mike Servich. 6'1, 245, one year pro, muscular rookie is making waves in Georgia. Scott Steiner lookalike, boasts similar power. Just a few months of pro experience under his belt. Fan favorite. Uh, it sounds to me like he probably went back to his day job pretty quickly because I've never heard of him. Yeah. No fucking idea. Three, 387, Jose Luis Rivera. Yeah. 6'2, 248. Well traveled pro is well known for his WWF TV appearances. Fares better in independence, has provided commentary on the WWF's Spanish programs. Also, one of the conquistadors. <laughs> yes. That's not in this bio, but also one of the conquistadors. Which there's, I, I'd have to go back and find the match. There's a match where Jer, uh, Gorilla Monsoon accidentally calls him that while he's dressed like one of the conquistadors. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Like he does a move or whatever, and Monsoon's like, oh, fantastic move from Jose Luis Rivera there. <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> and the funny thing is, they were like, ah, fuck it. They didn't even edit it out. He gives a shit. <laughs> 386, Bob Cook, 6'4", 267, five years pro. Long, lanky veteran is well-known in Florida rings, also famous for his appearances in televised WCW matches. He's the man Dustin Rhodes beat in his pro debut. Good for him. He's also the the Steiner brothers used to kick the shit out of. Absolutely. There's a match... I don't know who Bob Cook's partner is in the match. I don't remember. But there's a match on WCW Saturday night from, I think, 90... Would it be 92? 92 is when they had their run with, like, Gordy and and Williams, right? Yes. Okay. So it was around that time. But there... You can tell... And you can tell, folks, and those of you that are fans of theirs know, you can tell those nights, they're kind of like the Road Warriors, you can tell those nights where Scotty and Rick are, are fucking worked up, and you watch them go out there against those poor fucking jobbers, and just, and there is a match where you can tell that this this other guy, whoever's tag teaming with Bob Cook, is supposed to tag him in. And Bob Cook does not tag him. Like, the Steiners are beating the fuck out of this guy. And, like, Rick even, like, kind of throws the guy over in the corner to Bob Cook. 
And Bob Cook just like acts like he doesn't even see his partner. And then they bring him in and do the Frankensteiner and fuck him up and then pin him. And Bob Cook never even gets in the ring. And you can just tell by his body language and stuff. He's like, no, not tonight. These two yeah. are too fucking worked up. Fuck that shit. <laughs> you don't, even, you don't even have to pay me. <laughs> Art Anderson has been fucking with them all day. But yeah, I, when I, I can't remember what episode it's on or whatever, but I remember watching it and laughing because I was like, ah, Bob Cook's like, fuck this shit tonight. <laughs> Speaking of Arne Anderson, you can cut this out if you want, but I finally got around to listen to the crime and sports on Lex Luger mm-hmm. and reading out of his book. And like he's talking about, first off, they tell the story about him running away from Bruiser Brody, like climbing out of the cage and just running away. Mm-hmm. But then he's like talking about how he gets to WCW. And they put him with the horseman. And I don't know why this is so funny. And that Jimmy Wisman guy thinks it's funny as hell, too. <clears throat> He's like, so I'm with uh so I'm with uh Arn Anderson and Lex Lu-. like like they're reading excerpts from his book. And he goes, so now he's like, he's like, Jimmy, you got to understand now he's with uh, Lex. He, Lex is now with Ric Flair, Tully Blanchard, and Arn Anderson. These guys aren't body guys, but they're like some of the best wrestlers in the world at the time, you know? He goes, and then Lex, Lex would say, he would let, like, he's like, in Lex's book, he says, I would try to contribute to the match and say, I think we should do this, this, and this. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, Arn Anderson would look at me and say, shut the fuck up, eggplant. <laughs> Just do what you're told. Eggplant. <laughs> Jimmy West was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> And he's like, and the James guy's like, I have no idea, but it's fucking funny as hell. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up, eggplant. Like, what does that even mean? It's funny. <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. Number three eighty-five is Ron Shaw, six four two seventy fourteen years pro. Big Philadelphia native was a WWF main stay for years. Now competes spor- sporadically in his hometown. More active recently as a trainer, brought Mr. Sandman into the sport. Well, thank you, Ron Shaw. Thank you, Ron Shaw. 384, Frank Melson. 6'2", 255, five years pro. The Tank is a Chicago area favorite. Huge brawler can hold his own with light heavyweights or Abdullah the Butcher. 747 Splash compares with the very best. I don't know who that is. I don't either. I mean, I know it's Frank Melson, but I... 383, Dusty Wolf. 5'10", 234 years pro, have card, will travel. <laughs> Young star has been around the world in search of matches and titles. Known in the WWF as Dale Wolf, doesn't take guff from rule breakers. Another one of those classic WWF jobbers that I remember from my childhood. Yes, and at the point, he couldn't be Dusty because... He probably started when Dusty was Dusty there. Yeah. So that's probably why he was Dale, and they just left it that way. They're like, everybody knows you as Dale Wolf now. You're Dale Wolf. Nobody even knows me as Dale Wolf. Whatever. I do. (laughs) 382 is Mad Max. 612, 47 years pro. Formerly teamed with Super Max as the Max Brothers in the AWA. Straight ahead, no-nonsense style, leads to many disqualifications, competes mainly in Chicago now. Mad Max and Super Max, the Max Brothers. That's kind of as silly as Jeff Gaylord and the Warlord as the Lord Brothers. Brothers. 
means Warlord's first name was War. Yes. And Jeff Jeff Gaylord's first name was Jeff Gay. Yes, Je- Jeff Gay. Lord. Lord. <laughs> uh, 381, GQ Madison. 62239. Huh? This is TD's brother, I'm assuming. You got it. <laughs> 239, three years pro. Native New Yorker is an IWCCW mainstay. Has teamed with his younger brother, TD, to capture the IWCCW tag team title twice. Number 380 is Tommy Angel. 6'3", 255, two years pro. Youngster has defeated many veterans in independent leagues, has also competed in WCW, skilled in science, but can mix it up if necessary. Good dropkick. Um, I think he was on a, on a, on a brawl or something with um, Scott Levy commentating with Gorilla Monsoon or something. Cause I, I remember him getting beat up and Scott Levy being like, Tommy angel, how I love you. They were a great combo. Yeah, they were. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but I can remember Scott. I can remember Johnny Polo singing Tommy angel. Do you know why? 50s doo-wop song or whatever. (laughs) Do you know why I think they were that good together? And of course, it doesn't get attention because it was it was it didn't last long, and it was on fucking action zone or whatever. Because I think Scott Levy, and and again, we always say it. I mean, Gorilla and Bobby is Gorilla and Bobby, but Gorilla and Bobby were better together on the primetime set than they were in the booth. And I'm not. Am I wrong? Like. They, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not saying they weren't great together in the booth, but when I think of Bobby and Gorilla, I think of them in that prime time setting, getting to just kind of interact with each other, yeah. you know, with no match going on or whatever. Scott Levy was the closest thing that Gorilla had to Jesse, because he he poked and prodded Gorilla like Jesse did. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, and Scott Levy was probably, I don't want to say it, not probably, he was, uh, he was probably like, this is Gorilla Monsoon, good lord. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I might fuck with everybody else in this goddamn company and not go to work. Like, there's stories where he says that he told the production studio that he was at the office and he told the office he was at the production yeah. studio and he was just at home smoking weed and shit. <laughs> Cause but, mania took him like 10 minutes to write. Yeah. Like I just had to write some shit for Pettengill and bounce, you know, but I'm sure when he went in there with gorilla monsoon, it was probably like, all right, Mr. Monsoon, let's, or Mr. And I'm sure, I'm sure gorilla monsoon was like, give it to me, kid. You know, I've worked with fucking Jesse Ventura. I've worked with, Bobby Heenan, I've worked with uh, Jimmy or Johnny Valiant. I can take it. Give it to me. Will you be serious? Three seventy nine. By the way, Grill Monsoon was a national treasure. But anyway, three seventy nine. I, uh, I love it. I love it when he <laughs> watching old prime times. I love it when he. You can tell he's legit laughing about something. He's yeah. got that. <laughs> <laughs> That's his real laugh. Like when they're on that boat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or when Bobby will make some joke 
And at the time, it is totally inappropriate for Gorilla to laugh at the joke. He's supposed to be the baby face, and Bobby's supposed to be the heel. And Gorilla just be like, "There's that one where they got that." You don't have to leave this in the show if you don't want. But there's that he's got that Gorilla thing with the, like the WWF tank top on or whatever. And my, and Bob, he says something about it. Bobby's like, "Ah, oh, thought that was a Coco Beware action figure." It's like, oh my god. Bobby, <laughs> but he la- he's like, <laughs> come on now, Bob. Like, <laughs> there was a Coco Beware action figure. <laughs> um, or my favorite thing is because it's like never knew either one of them, but I would love to have seen this this conversation when he pulls out like a wad of money, just a wad of money. Like it looks like. His folding money was like like Monsoon's mad folding money was like ten thousand dollars or whatever. Yeah. And he pulls it all out. And Bobby's like, Jesus Christ. He's like, What do you what do you have that for? He's like, Well, you know, you know, might need something impulsive, like an impulse buy or something. He's like, What are you impulse buying? A fucking house? <laughs> what the hell? <clears throat> Three seventy nine is Brian Donahue, six four three ten, two years pro, huge former football player, trained by Mark Tendler, known as the Basher for his surly de- his surly demeanor and head busting style, a body slam master. I'm just going to move on because I don't know who that is. So Mark Tendler, that guy that John Rezzi had on his show and stuff. I think so. I'm getting shot, and he had his like wrestlers against drugs. Yeah. And they called the kids the little wads. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Number 378, Tony Capone. Six foot tall, 311, one year pro. This burly godfather is an impressive rookie. Brawler captured the first Connecticut-based IWF title in May 91. Claims to have friends in low places. But I thought he was connected. <laughs> I don't know. 377, Steve Lombardi, six foot yeah. 33, six years pro, perhaps better known as the Brooklyn Brawler in the WWF, managed for a short time by Bobby Heenan, mired in prelims, but a street tough fighter and scratcher. Did they have to say perhaps or possibly better known as? <laughs> like better known as. Better known as. Yeah. Why didn't they just call him the Brooklyn Brawler? Another great primetime angle. It's actually the only primetime angle, other than that and Roddy Piper. Yeah. Because angles didn't happen on primetime. You know what I mean? I guess I just had another great primetime episode, like another, you know. And that, that that one's great because Bobby Heenan's character is panicking. Yeah. I meant for all of that to happen except Except, Monsoon getting hit. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. About that. that should not have happened. He's and he's, I mean, and he'll be like, we're going to go to a match. Uh, next match, Coco, beware, and the Islander guy. And I just want to reiterate, I did not mean for that to happen to Monsoon. <laughs> Everything else was supposed to happen. Yes. And I'm proud of it. That, nope. Great little wrestling psychology from a pro there. Yes. 
376 is Ron Cumberledge. 6'2", 265, three years pro, incredibly sculpted, sculpted youngster, is currently Western Ohio champion. Has also competed in WWF and WCW. Hurls a fine dropkick, a superstar in the making. I don't think so. Nope. Um, number 375 is Haas. 6'4", 399, two years pro. Huge super heavyweight. Native Texan, trained by Larry Sharp, formerly a or formed a tag team with another big man, Chief Thunder Mountain. Hoss. Like Arn Anderson would say, I don't know you. Hoss <laughs> <laughs> and Big Thunder Mountain. Yes. Whatever. 374 is Mark Starr, 5'11. 235, five years pro, formerly a member of Wildside with Chris Champion. Duo held the CWA tag title in 1989. Star competes in Florida now, surprisingly ring-wise for such a young man. I think he was a WCW jobber, too. Yes. Yes. 373, J.T. Smith. Six foot tall, 238, one year pro. Impressive rookie is the new Tri-State champion. Thrills fans with drop kicks and off the top rope maneuvers. Made debut in June 1990 against Mr. Sandman. And we all know JT. Um, ECW. Yes, from ECW and. Uh, Bushmouth. <laughs> a. What can you say about JT? Once he became a comedic wrestler, he was found his niche and when he wasn't he fucking tried like you yeah, can never say probably, the guy didn't try yeah i mean he let he let doug gilbert throw him off of a scaffold at the ecw arena and he let mike awesome fold him in half well he didn't let that happen <laughs> that just happened number 372 one of my favorite guys that never made it to one of the big two uh, Rod Price, six foot two eighty five, two years pro, California stud, made quite the debut in nineteen ninety. Attacked then Texas champion Kerry Von Erich at the Sportatorium in Dallas. Teamed with Steve Austin in early nineteen ninety one. I am a fan of Rod Price and John Tatum, yes. both of them. But I really dug Rod Price, and it just surprised me that he never went farther in his career than he did. I don't know if that was a a him decision, you know, or what, but yeah. I thought Rod Price was really good. Yeah, and um we'll get to talk to him. we'll get to talk about him in a couple of years. We get to ECW like yeah. nineteen ninety eight. So yeah. look forward to that. Number three seventy one, Jimmy Powell. Six two, two forty five, seven years pro, one of the several dirty white boys. This one is a Georgia favorite. The farthest thing from a bodybuilder, but boasts ring savvy, a proponent of the bulldog headlock. I don't know who that is. I didn't know there were multiple dirty white boys. Well, there was the dirty white boys tag team with Tony Anthony and uh, who was his partner? It was in Continental. I don't remember. Um, 370 is Buddy Lee Parker, 5'10", 242, two years pro. 
Teams with James Earl Wright as the state patrol boasts a powerful leg drop, claims to have been a former state trooper, writes defeated foes tickets. You know, it's funny because Buddy Lee Parker has a legacy in the business. You know, and you think and a lot of times there's a lot of guys that are like, they were maybe mid card at best wrestlers, like on TV. But then you look at everybody they trained. You're like, well, shit, you got a fucking legacy, brother. <laughs> you know, like maybe Buddy Lee Parker wasn't ever going to main event, but he trained Goldberg. You know, anybody that came out of that power plant, mm-hmm. him and Paul Orndorff and Jody Hamilton have their fingerprints on. Yeah. Well, and think about that with uh, with uh, fucking Prince Albert and Bill DeMott. Yeah. You know, think of all the current people that are wrestling right now in the AEW and WWE that those guys have their fingerprints on. Just better not yeah. be a female talent there. <laughs> Number 369. Yeah. Axel Rotten. 6'2, 299, three years pro. Nasty Rule Breaker is one of the top stars of the new UIW. A big man, but uses his speed as much as his brawn. Gutter tactics at times. And there seems to be kind of a trend going here in these 300s. A lot of the guys that are going to, you know, eventually be the beginnings of ECW making their names in 1990 yes. and 1991 in professional wrestling. And Axel was actually a pretty good worker. Absolutely. When he wanted to be. Number 368, Bull Ramos. Jesus. 5'10", 355, 35 years pro. Yes, it's that Bull Ramos. Recently returned to the Pacific Northwest following eight years of retirement. Slow but still powerful. Long known as Apache. That is a name that I hear. And I have never seen a Bill Bull Ramos match in my life. Me neither. And I don't think I want to. Yeah, probably not. It's all probably, you know, from the 50s and 60s. And if it's not all chopped up, it's boring. Boring. But at that time, it was boring. (laughs) Number 367, the guy we talked about a little bit earlier, Oz. Seven foot tall, 305 pounds. Who or what is Oz? One of the few WCW grapplers about whom almost nothing is known. Boasts no hometown or wrestling background. Gaudy ring entrances. Manager killed a monkey. <laughs> um, the Oz gimmick was stupid. Yeah, Oz for one isn't a person; it's a place. Two, big rubber mask, and like I said, who looks at a guy that looks like Kevin Nash and goes, "Let's make him the Let's make him the Wizard of Oz"? Like, no. Let's not and say we did. Mm-hmm. Like, this is stupid. The smartest thing. One of the smartest decisions in the history of wrestling was for Kevin Nash to lie to WCW. Yeah. Say, I'm, I'm retiring and go work for Vince McMahon. Because Vince McMahon looked at that guy and said, I know exactly. Well, Shawn Michaels is that guy. 
Well, Sean, but Shawn Michaels put Vince, put him in front of Vince is what he contributed. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, but what you're saying is right about how Kevin Nash was. I don't, I don't want to say like he got him in the door, and then Vince was like, "All right, yeah." Like yeah. When he showed up, he was like, "Jesus Christ, we're gonna put the rocket on this motherfucker." Who's that motherfucker? God damn. <laughs> well, and then they always what say, have you been? "What have you done?" Well, I was a master blaster steel. Then I was Oz. Then I was Vinny Vegas. Then I was, uh, I was Vinny Vegas. Yeah, it's like they had no fucking idea what they were doing. And you know, they always, like Pritchard and, and Cornette both always have the same kind of story with Vince, where Vince likes to have that meeting with somebody to get, you know, what have you done in the past, kind of get a feel for their personality. And Vince McMahon got the perfect feel for Nash's personality. The only thing that Vince, the only miscalculation that Vince made with Kevin Nash, it was not, I don't, I will go on record as saying it was not turning him baby face. Just making him smile and shit. Yes. It was, it was, it was making him different as a baby face. You know, if, if he had the hindsight of what, three years later being like, oh, I can let Steve Austin just be Steve Austin and still be a babyface, you know, or The Rock. You know, I can let Dwayne be Dwayne, but he'll still be a baby. If he would have just let Kevin be Kevin, but a babyface, I think Diesel's title reign would have been much different. Like as far as as far as box office and stuff goes. Yeah, I agree. All right, we got. A few more. We'll like do like two more, three more. We'll do three more. All right. Three sixty six. Larry Winters. Five ten two forty three. Eight years pro. Veteran Philadelphia native has been a champion wherever he has traveled. Held the NWF belt in nineteen eighty six. Recently captured the tri state tag titles with Johnny Hotbody. And they would take that act. That was it. No, that was him and Stetson. Yes. Larry Winters was uh, what we call him the fruit of the doom because it looked like he, yeah, fruit of the doom because he didn't wear knee pads. So it looked, it looked like, like he was just out there in his undies. In his undies. Oh, man. His big man, like his big long perm, and this is making me want to go back and listen to Reliving the Extreme from the beginning. <laughs> his big long perm and his man panties out there. It's like he was one of those guys, like when he wore a belt, it just didn't. It looked like he was naked. Yeah. <laughs> the one belt that he won. <laughs> All right, three sixty-five. And you know what? I'll be honest. We made we we did make fun of Larry Winter's appearance <laughs> on the show a lot in the Reliving Extreme. He wasn't a bad worker. Nah, he was a decent hand. He was never going to be a world's champion or a main eventer. But all right, three sixty-five. Brady Boone, five seven two oh nine seven years pro, a cousin of Billy Jack Haynes. Only lack of size has prevented him from becoming a main event star. Learned outstanding aerial moves in Japan. A force someday. I don't think this is a guy we've ever discussed on the show. Brady Boone. Battle Cat. Yes. He was a good worker. Yeah. 
And he had a good look. So, so I don't know what happened with him. He became a ref in WCW. I think it's because he just wasn't like big or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he died. <laughs> well, there you go. There's a story, folks. I mean, I don't want to say like then then he died. Yeah. Like, maybe he would have. He he might have been able to have a comeback or whatever. But oh, I just didn't. I, I to be honest with you, I just had to plead ignorance because I didn't know if he got hurt or whatever happened because it just seemed like it just stopped. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was right. a prospect and then it stopped. Yeah, like I said, he just became a ref in WCW, and I think he died in a car accident, I think. He was, like, um, um, tight with, like, Kurt Hennig and Scott Hall and mm-hmm. those guys. He was buddies with all of them. All right, the last one we will do here this week on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, number 364, Ricky Nelson. 510 231 3 years pro not he's not the 50s uh, singer handsome youngster is making him it making important strides competes on and off in WCW but has become a contender for the US belt in the IWA impressive boston crab yes um, I've seen some stuff with him, but like I said, every time I see his name, I'm like, why did he just, why didn't he change his name? Yeah. Like, he went by Ricky Nelson. <laughs> Who's up next? Danny Bonacci? Like, he got up to Vince. Like, I wonder if he ever worked, worked for Vince. And he was like, Vince, Vince, you told me I'd, you told me I'd become a star here. And I haven't even, I haven't, I haven't even made it to MSG. And Vince is like, I beg your pardon. <laughs> I never promised you a rose garden. <laughs> uh, or Madison Square Garden. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, no, a garden party is what I meant. I know, but I just, <laughs> I just, I just rolled with what came to the top of my head. Yeah. Well, that being said, taking you to a garden party. <laughs> that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. We went ninety minutes. We are going to wrap it up here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We'll continue this adventure next week. We'll get to start at three hundred and sixty-three in the first ever Pro Wrestling Illustrated five hundred. Hopefully, Archie will be back with us next week. He had a family deal this weekend, and we wish him the best and his family. And he is actually on the West Coast right now, so he is uh, in a even. He's in a different. He might be actually in a different day at this point. But anyway, um, Aaron, any parting words for our listeners this week? Oh, just thanks for listening, guys, to all the shows. Um, and keep on keeping on. And we're gonna do some reliving the extreme this week. We got this WCW out here. Um, if you listen to my program, the next thing we're going to be discussing is Spring Stampede, so 97. So looking forward to that. Just appreciate all five of you. <laughs> Keep it on. I'm kidding. And- I appreciate it. <laughs> and, of course, listen to Archie's show. If you smell what the rock, what the rock is cooking, if you smell what the arch is cooking, 
I don't want to get sued there. If you smell the arches cooking, where he is our our modern product show each and every week here on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. So be sure to listen to his talk about NXT and AEW every week. And actually, this week his fiftieth episode has dropped. So that being said. We will see you all next week as we continue this journey through the inaugural Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500. We'll see you next week, everybody, on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Have a spectacular, Yeah. Have a spectacular week. That's what I meant. Spectacular sounds like one of those words Vince would come up with. It's the most spectacular summer slam of all time. Actually, now he'd be like, "Here's the most He's like a uh, uh, Gabby Johnson at this point. Sorry. Over near. I was about to say, Ashley is near." I think they said Booker T is near. All right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> With a whirl and hearty handshake, we say good night. Where the white women at? <laughs> Greatest movie ever. The We Can't Wrestle podcast is a production of Maxing Out Media, all rights reserved.